Talk with Vicky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to HR Talk. It's our pleasure to be here for another fantastic week. Happy Halloween going out to everyone out there in the HR Talk space. You'll be listening to this on the backside of the Halloween holiday here because I know the most of you may be kicking back in your warm, comfy homes, enjoying that nice glass of Chardonnay, enjoying your football and eating your tacos, and then watching those kids come by knocking on your doors screaming Happy Halloween later on. And that's the thing. In a world where one man helps start the show, there's another man. Some call him a man-boy. We call him Ricky Baez. The co-captain of the ship sailing on into port down from sunny central Florida. How you doing, Rick? What is up, man? How is it going up in Buffalo? Uh, it's good. Just waiting on the uh, game to kick off today. Going to cook up some steaks and watch the Buffalo Bills play the uh, Dolphins. Dolphins are coming to town today. Hey, guess what, though? Something more important. What's up? Folks let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. With Ricky Bias. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias to start your week. Here it comes. Nothing in life ever goes according to plan. Don't bother waiting for that perfect moment to start that venture. Just start. A marathon? Oh, my God, dude. I was in the middle of the hook, man. Of the hook. I I don't know what I was saying because I was making it up on the fly, so I don't know how to start over. A marathon starts with one step. Boom, done. There we go. That's what you got to do. Just take that first step and you'll be all right. Start your steps today. And you, too, could do a Just marathon. That's right. Start stepping. Start stepping. It's got a whole Suzanne Summers vibe going on. Hey, uh, so there's there's tons of like. Over the area and some of these messages are, are really intriguing. Um, it's people tailgating. And one of the things that I was I hoping that. to do today was try to uh, feed some of them directly in the show. Unfortunately, technology will not prevail and let us uh, let us bring them into our TikTok lives or Instagram lives. But hopefully someday soon after the pay- bills get paid. Um, and, and HR talk is is out of the red. We could get things figured out and squared away. You Dude, know. we are so red. It's so it's terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. We're in the purple. That's Wait, where we are. That, that, there's there's not even a budget line. It's just a separate entity. You know. That's you it. know how this goes. Yeah. Hey, uh, so we do have some uh, current events coming up today uh, to discuss. But on top of that, there's some emerging trends that are going to be part of our just general chat today. And the first one here. Okay. Uh, just to give you a rundown of what we have on tap a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's the whole Dave Chappelle thing um, with the complaint filed against Netflix. Um, there's a remote trend of working two jobs at the same time without both companies knowing. Uh, Dude. <laughs> HR is a huge problem at Amazon. We've got a story about that from the New York Times to dissect. And uh, the BBC actually picked up a huge story this past week talking about whether or not um, HR is really your friend. It's funny how this continues to come up and people distrust HR. 
And then COVID-19 updates. There's an EEOC update. Uh, they did update their COVID-19 guidance on religious accommodations. They're going to talk about a little bit of uh, what we need to know from the National Law Review. And uh, there's a TikTok star who killed his wife, and uh, her male friend was extremely je- uh, jealous. And there, there's a whole story. And, of course, Florida man stuff yeah. coming up a, a little bit later on. But to kick things off here, uh, not really a current event, but just a event and uh, something to dissect for the program. This was Really, really important to uh, Ricky Baez, it's that uh, new complaint filed against Netflix in Chappelle controversy. So Netflix did find itself at the center of a cultural controversy over the past month or so. It's um, following the release of comedian Dave Chappelle's stand-up special, The Closer, which has been criticized for its extensive material about transgender people. The trans community and allies take issue with Chappelle's comparison of trans identity to blackface, its framing of trans people as predominantly white and much more. A group of trans employees at Netflix have spent a great deal of time and energy pleading with the streaming giant to consider the potential for real-world harm that may be caused by the platforming of such speech. Needless to say, they're looking to de-platform Dave Chappelle. Uh, the matter has been further complicated by what trans Netflix employees see as a hostile relationship between themselves and higher ups at Netflix. Now, one employee at Netflix, Tara Field, was suspended after airing her concerns about the special on social media and attending a executive meeting. And then a new complaint has been filed against Netflix, formalizing some of the discontent swirling around the closer. Um, the complaint does allege that Netflix engaged in retaliatory behavior against uh, some of these employees protected. Uh, activity by firing or suspending them and according to netflix quote engaged in the above activity to quell employees from speaking up about working conditions including but not limited to seeking to create a safe and affirming work environment for netflix employees speaking up about netflix's products and the impact of its product choices on the lbgtq plus community the complaint lists ceo ted as the employee representative against whom it's all directed there's a whole lot going on with this one, Rick. It, would, it makes sense of this because it, it's it, there's a lot of words and uh, a whole lot yeah. of things going on, and it's very passionate to you in your life and the choices you've made. <laughs> no, it's not anything about choices. No, look, here's here's the problem with this one. Um, well, actually, this is what HR people need to be aware of because um, this what happened this past week. Now, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now. What happened this past week is one of those employees that were fired, they filed an unfair labor practice with the National Labor Relations Board um, as far as protected concerted activity. Because the reason they were termed, they say, is because they were um, uh, they fe- they were disrupting a meeting where they were not in- in- invited to. It was a meeting that was for the executives and senior leadership over in Netflix. This employer employees were upset, so upset about the Netflix special, which by the way, it was really good. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's but it was really well put together by Dave Chappelle. I mean, he's a king uh, when it comes to a comedy, but he made some comments about about the uh, about that community. But um it's all it all falls under free speech. But then these employees w- was upset by it. And they they staged a walked out a, a walkout. So some of them got fired, and they filed that complaint. Here's where I want to to throw this out there to the HR community. What happens here? I don't think this is going to go anywhere. Now, before any organization decides to terminate somebody because they are um, staging a walkout, you need to connect with an attorney, right? I'm not an attorney. JC is not an attorney. Nobody on this show 
um, has any um, any type of credentials to give legal advice. However, when when you decide as an organization to fire somebody, you need to make sure that an attorney has been consulted to give you that advice. That said, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. For you to file a claim that your protected concerted activity was violated, you have to be able to prove that you had an, a, an unsafe working condition, A, B, you are um, uh, uh, staging a walkout in protest of, of that unsafe working condition. That's it. This show, in my opinion, those 30 seconds to one minute that Dave Chappelle said what he said does not constitute to me as any kind of an unsafe working environment where these employees have to go out and do some kind of a protest for. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So um, that's why I wanted to make sure that we talked about this, because this is something that employers go through every day. And as far as employees uh, staging a walkout, employees being con concerned about the, the safety of the work environment or poor conditions of the work environment. So to avoid this in the future, this is how this translates to the regular organizations out there. When an employee has a concern, listen to what the employee has to say, right? Don't ignore those concerns. But I think Netflix did that here. But I think the employees wanted Netflix to take down the, uh, the, uh, the episode. And it, it, they just wouldn't do it. And I stand by Netflix for that because there's a lot of other shows out there that are really bad documentary wise as far as the content. And they were OK with it. <laughs> but for some reason, this one is a big issue. JC, I, I, I just need everybody out there to know the protected concerted activity is out there. It is the thing. But I don't think it flies in this particular case. Dave Chappelle is, is speaking out about the controversies surrounding his recent Netflix comedy special, The Closer or Closer, depending on how you how drunk you are, uh, saying that he's open a meeting with LGBTQ employees of Netflix who are critical of the special. But he does also say that he will not be bending to anyone's demands. He's not hmm. giving in to cancel culture. In a video clip posted by Instagram Monday, Chappelle remains unapologetic about the special, which includes uh, material that has angered many people in the uh, L LGBTQ plus community, etc. So, quote, I said what I said, and boy, I heard what you said. My God, how could I not? You said you want a safe working environment at Netflix. It seems like I'm the only one that can't go to the office anymore. He said in a five-minute mm. video. Mm. Chappelle was referring to pushback from a Netflix employee who participated in a walkout last week after the company stood by the comedian and allowed the closer to remain on the streaming platform. Netflix also recently fired an employee connected to the blowback over how Chappelle and the company special are being handled. And Netflix officials alleged the employee leaked confidential and commercially sensitive information to Bloomberg. Ooh. Uh-huh. So the plot thickens a little bit there, yeah. right? Now, the controversy over the Closer, uh, which has been available on Netflix, is a Closer, 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 Le Un Closier, has been brewing for weeks. In the special, Dave Chappelle jokes about trans women and their genitalia and defends J.K. Rowling against critics who say she is transphobic and more. So um, while, while some people will go on a tear, on J.K. Rowling, and, and you're just supposed to hear it, accept it, and never have words back. He has words back defending J.K. Mm -hmm. Rowling. People don't like that, so they want to cancel him altogether. 
If Netflix employees were to meet with him, Chappelle says he has three conditions for them. First of all, you cannot come if you have not watched my special from beginning to end. Period. There you go. You must come to a place of my choosing at my time of choosing. And thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gadsby is not funny. Gadsby is an Australian comedian and queer woman. He said that last part for real? These are quotes. Yeah. This okay. is coming to us from NPR.org. Look it up if you don't believe me. The title of the article is Chappelle is unapologetic in his first public statement on the closer controversy. Good for him. Do you want me to Good stand by him. while you look it up because you don't believe me? No, I was just wondering because sometimes you throw things in there. It's cool. So good for him. I'm glad he did that. I'm. Are you there? What? Huh? No, you you, you caught you dro- you glitched for a second there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm glad Dave Chappelle is standing by his show, and I'm glad that standing by him uh, from 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 Netflix because. If as soon as you start taking things like that down, then when where does it stop? I'm glad that they're really standing up for that freedom of expression. So good for them. Good for them. But I don't think this is going to be over. It's going to be a lot of more social media backlash for that. Well, at what point does cancel culture prevail? Right. At what point do we cancel just everything? Well, that's the thing, right? It's I've never been been a big proponent of cancel culture. Right. If if, if you don't like what you're hearing, just go to go to another channel. Right. Go to Looper. Go to uh, HBO Max. Go to somewhere else. Or although be careful going to HBO Max, because I'm sure if you think this is <laughs> hard for you to hear, then wait, wait till you go somewhere else over to uh, HBO Max, the stuff that they have. And also, if you decide nobody forced you to work in Netflix, if you decided to work for that organization, knowing what kind of content they produce and knowing that they've given, I guess, worse content, if we're going to compare content. I, I, I just don't understand why this is such a big issue if there's no harm. there's Is it – do they feel insulted? I guess so, right? But nobody's harming anybody. Nobody's in danger. I just don't understand why this is such a big deal. But more to come to that. We'll see what happens in these next couple of weeks and if this case gets thrown out in court or not with the NLRB. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Our current events are kind of underway already. <laughs> Current events will continue to move forward here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those current events-based shows. There's so much going on, right? Yeah. So, look, right. the uh, the remote trend of working two jobs at the same time without both companies knowing, uh, written by Jack Kelly out of Forbes, is a very interesting piece here. I highly recommend uh, you give that a Google and check out the, uh, the Forbes thing. He's saying here, um, a study showed that people working from home are having sex, taking naps, and dating, shopping online, and doing side hustles on company time, not on their breaks. Around 50% of us, not on their breaks, I added that to the story. So feel free to stop by and read this in real time while I read it to you, though. Uh, only excerpts, though. Around 50% of the respondents to the survey said that they've worked for another company while on the clock with their employer. Now, last week, the Wall Street Journal did report on a, a new remote work trend. It appears that white-collar workers in industries from tech to banking and insurance say that they've found a way to double their pay. And what they do is work two full-time remote jobs. They just don't talk about it. Dual mm. jobsters told the paper that they earn a total of $200,000 to nearly $600,000 a year, including bonuses and stock options. The genesis for some of these people was born from the site called Overemployed. The entertaining site offers insider tips on how to carry out this game. 
Now, if you are looking to try this out, Overemployed suggests you possess these traits and experiences. A person with moxie and and risks-taking willing to be contrarian to the YOLO economy. That they've been a person with one of the companies and role for a couple of years now and is reasonably competent and efficient in their work and ability to work smarter, not harder. Acquired some specialized skills, allowing them to land roles that let them set their own schedule, minimize inbound meetings in at least one or two of the jobs. And you should have self-discipline, be a good communicator, and have the ability to compartmentalize context switching. But don't talk about working two remote jobs, they recommend. They say don't fall in love with your jobs, specifically your second job, and have a clear and focused goal. If you go into two jobs with a goal and operate off of a goal, then it's uh, it's strictly for financial freedom. Is it to pay off a house or car? Being indecisive and losing focus on your goal is a recipe for anguish, burnout, and stress. And have an exit strategy at the end of the day. He's got a whole manifesto here on how to do this <laughs> written in Forbes. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm not a proponent. I think you do you, though. Uh, if this is something that your company's cool with and you can do, then do it. But at the same time, in my personal opinion here on this news article, uh, on this current trending piece, be honest with your employer. You don't have to be friends with HR or your employer. You don't have to be buddy-buddy, but be honest. Let them know what you're doing and what you're up to. Because if what you're looking for is to live and work in a culture of trust, to be transparent and work alongside those that are your peers or subordinates or superiors and and try to do the best for tomorrow, why are you going to lie to them from the jump? It's a good way to wind up losing both jobs, never get hired again, and get blacklisted in your industry. And then you, too, could go work at McDonald's for $31 an hour. Ricky Bias, back to you. I mean, it, it's I, I ran into this a couple of weeks ago, and that's why I started research. I didn't know this really? was a thing. I didn't know. I did not know that there was a website. There's actually some websites that show you how to how to do this, how to have two jobs at the same time without both jobs um, knowing about each other. It's crazy. And I ran into this. Yeah, it is. Because did, I was. Um, what happened? I, was, I can't say much right now okay. <laughs> other than I was conducting an exit interview. And I was having a conversation with the person, and I don't think the person realized what they were telling me when they were telling me when all of a sudden I started asking more questions about how do you know to do this? And that's when this person realized, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that to HR. But anyway, and then I started looking into it. Now, this person didn't care because it was an exit interview. But then it made me question, you know, it, it not question. It made me want to start going down this rabbit hole and figure it out. So that's why I started researching and I saw this is a big trend. The Wall Street Journal did a story on this. CNBC did a story on this. And it's one of those things that I don't know if employers with the current technology are able to curb. Actually, I take that back. I do know. I think we did a story in this last year where you have employers that are putting software on people's computers no, on their computers where people take home to work from home when they're able to record everything. So I guess the the uh, technology is there. But then that's a that's an overreach, right? That's a knee-jerk reaction. So what I'm saying is is exactly what you said, JC. If you're if this is something you're looking to do, it, it just stop it right now. Because one of the employers is going to find out and you are going to be terminated and it's going to be justifiable. It is going to be justifiable. I get it, do you? 
do what you need to do. But let me tell you, if the employers find out, if HR finds out that you are working for somebody else on your current company's time, that right there in itself is subject to separation of employment. It really is. And is it happening a lot? Absolutely. How much? I don't know. I don't know who's going to be honest about it unless they're uh, being laid off or they're being fired and then they have to do it or they're leaving and they have to do an, an exit interview. But this is one of those things that employers really need to check out. So HR professionals, here's what you need to do. You need to put a policy in place that says that you cannot have or you should not have any other type of employment that takes your attention away from the current employer that you're working with right now or employee. So uh, it's I know I just I said that up the fly. Get an attorney or an HR expert who can help you craft that policy. But you need to have that policy in place. Because if you don't and you let somebody go because of it, they could easily come back and say, I did not know that was something I shouldn't have been doing unless you put it in your policy. So make sure your policies are robust. You sign off on them. And remember, they're not contracts. One year ago, Tara Jones, an Amazon warehouse worker in Oklahoma, cradled her newborn and glanced over at her pay stub on her phone. And she noticed that she was underpaid by... A lot of money. $90 out of 540 was not there. The mistake kept repeating after she reported the issue. Jones, who had taken accounting classes at community college, grew so exasperated that she wrote an email to Jeff Bezos, oh. the founder of Amazon. Uh-huh. Quote, I'm behind on bills all because the pay team messed up, end quote. Weeks later, she wrote, I'm crying as I write this email. Unbeknown to Jones, her message to Bezos set off an internal investigation and a discovery. Jones was far from alone. For at least one and a half years, including periods of record profit. Amazon had been shortchanging new parents, patients dealing with medical crises, and other vulnerable workers on leave, according to a confidential report on the findings. Some of the pay calculations at her facility had been wrong since it opens its doors over a year ago, but as many as 179 of the company's other warehouse workers have potentially been affected as well. Uh, this is coming to us from the StarTribune.com. The title of this article is Inside Amazon's Worst Human Resource Problem, written by Jody Cantor, Karen Wise, Grace Ashford, and the New York Times. So look, um, the error here is only one strand in a long-standing knot of problems with Amazon's system for handling paid and unpaid leave. According to dozens of interviews, Hundreds of pages of internal documents obtained by the New York Times together, the records and internal, um, I'm sorry, records and interviews to reveal that issues have been more widespread, affecting the company's blue collar and white collar workers and more harmful than previously known, amounting to what several company insiders describe as one of its gravest human resources problems ever. Once again, this is the StarTribune.com. Feel free to check that out. Ricky, if you want to see this in real time, too, it's in our list, uh, our most recent article there in the chat that just got sent over moments ago. Yeah, yeah, so I pulled it, it up. It's, it's asking me to log in. 
for the uh so here it continues and it says that the error is only one strand in a long-standing knot of problems with amazon's system for handling that leave and the workers across the country facing medical problems and other life crises have actually been fired when the attendance software mistakenly marked them as no-shows according to <laughs> former and current hr staff members some who would speak only anonymously for fear of retribution that's brutal Doctors' yeah, notes vanish into black holes in Amazon's databases. Employees struggled to even reach their case managers, wading through automated phone trees that routed their calls to overwhelmed back office staff in Costa Rica, India, <laughs> okay. and Las Vegas. And the whole leave system was run on a patchwork of programs that often did not speak to one another. Some workers who were ready to return found that the system was too backed up to process them, resulting in weeks or months of lost income. Higher-paid corporate employees who had to navigate the systems found that arranging a routine could turn them into a morass. Internal company correspondents and company administrators warned of inadequate service levels, deficient processes, and systems that are prone to delay and error. They brought this up. They figured this out. And look, the extent of the problem puts to stark relief how Amazon's workers routinely took a back seat to customers during the company's meteoric rise to retail dominance and to overtaking the entire internet and doing amazing things. Now, Amazon, they've built cutting-edge package processing facilities to cater to shoppers' appetite for very fast delivery, far outpacing all competitors on the market. They even have their own trucks. And we saw last week in a video from TikTok that they're even having coin in those trucks as they deliver packages. Now, look, a lot of times, because we've optimized for the customer experience, we've been focused on that, says Bethany Reyes, who was recently put in charge of fixing the leave system. And she said this in an interview, and she stressed that the company was working hard to rebalance those priorities. And the company's treatment of its huge workforce, now more than 1.3 million people. That's the size of a city. That's bigger than a popka way bigger the people in expanding rapidly that they're facing mounting scrutiny labor activists and some lawmakers say the company does not adequately protect the safety of warehouse employees and that it unfairly punishes internal critics we've seen it on tiktok numerous times where people make jokes about the fact that they just have to go to the restroom but they might be docked pay for it so they pee in bottles in amazon warehouses running joke might not be real but it could be. But could who be. knows? So, look, there's a lot going on with this. Um, when, when it comes down to the software system, and, and this is what they hinge on, this is what they say, you know? Ricky, employees apply for leaves online on an internal app where they wade through an automated phone tree. The technology that Amazon uses to manage leaves is a patchwork of software from a variety of companies, including Salesforce, Oracle, and Kronos, and they don't connect seamlessly, okay? And the complexity that's in place there forces HR employees to input many approvals. According to internal documentation, a permanent bridge between programs is scheduled to be completed in March with incremental improvements in the meantime. 
Current and former employees involved in administrative leave say that the company's answer has often been to push them so hard that some required leaves themselves. Last year, in an email sent out on Friday about a Sunday deadline, the corporate manager of the leave system scolded his team to do more. You all know, this is a quote, you all know what needs to be accomplished and by when. Friday afternoon and evening with the deadline of Sunday. End quote. No exceptions on the back end. It's it's crazy. Talk to me, Baez. So Amazon, I get what they're doing, right? They're trying to automate all of these headache type of HR processes. I completely understand. I completely get that. And if there's some kinks that need to be worked out, I get that as well. But damn it, don't let those kinks, you figuring out those kinks affect the employee. I tell my team all the time, the one thing, the one thing, the one concern that employees have that always goes to the front of the line and you do whatever you need to do to fix is pay. Never, ever screw with the only reason people come to work. Pay. You take care of that. And I feel bad for that lady who had to write that email to Jeff Bezos, right, to, to uh, that the pay team screwed up her pay. And she's crying and she got bills. You know, say whatever you want about the financial situation of the employee, but the organization has the responsibility to make sure the pay is, is processed timely and accurately. And damn it, if you make a mistake, you need to make sure that you fix it immediately, not wait for the next pay period, not send it to a team to investigate when you can easily fix it right now. Make sure you fix it immediately. Same thing with the leave situation. I tell all of my teams that I've ever worked for and all of my students, whenever you're dealing with FMLA, any kind of federally protected leave or state protected leave or even locally protected leave, you always err on the side of the employee. You can figure everything out, everything else out later, but don't get into a situation where you now have to go to court and explain yourself why you're, you're, the software you bought is crap. Right. And you trying to fix it. And somehow this person's information or this person's leave request or return to work fell off to the wayside um, as uh, um, uh, uh, was a result of it. So organizations, the, no, the one thing you need to do is to have contingency plans in place to make sure that in case the phone tree doesn't work, the software goes down, or there's a glitch in the system that you have a regular way. A, uh, um, uh, a local way to handle this situation so the organization can still run smoothly. Dude, it man, really guy, hard. D- don't you remember just, uh, the, it was a few short weeks ago we we got into that story about the state of Maine. Wasn't it the state of Maine where they had like a multi-billion or multi-million dollar debacle with their HRS systems? And, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a whole thing, man. Dude, it, it's HR tech just throw their hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So HR tech is so cool. It's so awesome. Look, this is just me outside looking in. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about Amazon. Amazon's a different horse, and uh, that 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 that's a discussion for another time. But let's talk about you out there. You, the person that might be listening to this, whether or not you're you're here or somewhere else, as you're integrating some of these technologies, and you're like, you know what, we we've dipped our toes in the water of HRS integrations. We've went down the path of of you know, moving data and information across systems a little bit. We're we're starting to grow and graduate. Yeah, it makes sense to like dip your toes in those water signs from contracts and let people take care of you. But just always remember that the people you're signing contracts with, they're out to make money themselves, right? So who are you <laughs> investing in to be your advocate? Do you maybe need to contract with someone independently that could help navigate those waters? 
like a HRS type expert, someone proficient in data integrity and, and integrations? Should you maybe work directly with a HR consultant on a limited term basis to bridge that gap? We're we're gonna we're not gonna hire them, but we're gonna go into contract with them for uh, 365 days. And the sole goal here is to get over the hump, and they're gonna work with our team to make sure everything goes nice and smooth, and we build out our new work process and go from there. Or alternatively, you sign the contract with a big company, they forget about you, and the next thing you know, all your employees sue you, and you got EEOC issues as well. So I <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's up to you. Or if you have an issue with the uh, with the software they sold you, and you're trying to get some tech support, they put you through this crazy phone system that you're you're on hold for three hours, and then they drop your claim, and they don't help you. Now you right. realize what right. your employees are going through. Yeah. So now you know what the hell you bought. Right. So yeah, get a consultant. <laughs> get a consultant. You know what? That Andor, way they can help you out. Always have your relief valves open. Look, okay, something fails. We're going back to Excel and Word docs, or call me and. <laughs> Give me your post-it notes or whatever you got to do. You it know? worked before. Yeah. It worked before Oracle came along. Right. So I don't know why it cannot work now. And so dude, always have a backup plan. If, even if your employees do it, if, if you have to resort to emergency measures and now you've got a series of text messages and strings and emails between people, talk to your vendor then and try to figure out, okay, what can I do on the backside of this software snafu? For the software to be able to accommodate taking all this information and putting it in there to say, yeah, we were down and they did all this to overcome it. And here's the statutory proof and retain that on file just in case, right? What sit, what options within your software system exist to make that happen? And if they don't exist today, why not call some people? Look, I'm not saying that you need to get on the phone with some of the big three right now and just start hammering them. But if you do, it's up to you. You know, it's look out for yourself. See what see what options are out there. That's that's you're expensive I don't know. as hell. You Dude, know, yeah. you would think it's, that it's if, if you're gonna dish out, if you're gonna dish out a quarter million dollars a month for this for this software, it better work. It better work, and it better have minimal. And I do mean point zero 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 one percent downtime. Right. If you're gonna spend that much money on it, so. BBC BBC hit a story here called uh, "Is HR Really Your Friend." And it's funny that this topic continues to come up. It's never going to go away. Now, uh, Joanna York, or jo- Joanna York, rather, Joanna York, um, October 24th, put this together for the BBC. And long story short in here, um, she's basically saying that HR has an image problem. In a study that she dug up, 70% of employees don't trust their personnel department. And if you dig a little bit deeper, you're going to find countless examples of employees who feel deeply wronged by human resources. A lot of people just vent online, publicizing the failings of the department on social media and in blog posts, but others simply give up on HR and sue their employer. In 2020, the number of rulings on workplace litigation in the United States did hit a record high. And if we think HR departments are failing employees, it may feel unwise to trust them with our most difficult workplace issues. In fact, Problems can arise when there is often a disconnect between what we expect from HR and what HR is actually tasked with delivering, which just might be firing everyone. No. I know. That's not in the article. I added that, though, because sometimes that's their goal. Okay, so is it a losing battle? Is it a losing battle? She writes seven paragraphs saying that maybe it could be a losing battle, but she hones in after that on key relationships. And then this article goes into all those other things that we hear all the time. You know, it's all about good faith and positive trends. Don't be a jerk. 
and be nice. It ends by saying as much as companies are moving towards change, however, workers still need to remember that HR does have a job to do that goes beyond offering sympathy and support. So keep some friends closer than others. They're basically saying watch your back because HR is going to kill you. I I don't understand why there is this notion out there that HR is there to be for the employee or 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 anything of that nature. I'm going to say this. I believe in that 70% that that believe that HR has a bad image because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. But there's a lot of ingredients that goes into that pot, JC. And I I truly believe that HR is there to be fair. And it is to protect the organization. But HR protecting the organization is not what people think it is, right? People think that HR protecting the organization is always ruling an employee. And that's not the case. At least that's not how I do it. Have I seen other HR professionals do it the opposite way? Absolutely. That's why I believe that HR has a bad image. And that's why I feel so strongly about this. So let me explain this real quick for everybody out there listening. HR is there to protect the organization. At the end of the day, that's what that is. But let me explain what that means. If an employee comes to HR with a complaint about a manager or about a working condition, and we investigate that complaint, and we find out that that complaint was frivolous, we're not going to do anything about it. So the employee believes that we are taking the side of manager. No, you just didn't have any basis to your complaint. Now, Let's say there was some basis to it. It was a credible case. And it, you know what? The, the manager now has to be fired. And we fire the manager. Guess what? That is HR protecting the organization. Because if we keep that manager on staff continuing to doing whatever horrific things they're being accused of doing, then that is going to create even more issues for other employees and may bring up other legal issues to the forefront that the organization is going to have to endure. That's right. So, so, yes. so from the HR perspective, as long as you continue to threaten and intimidate your workforce and keep them scared. No, no. The only oh. people who should feel threatened, I guess, are scared are the ones who are not doing their job. That's no, it. I, other than that, no, you, you should be good. I, I, I mean, I guess what I meant was like, I kind of based on what you're saying is like, Okay, so they might be thinking about unionizing, but I'll show enough care and concern to make sure that they don't unionize until I can fire them. I've seen that happen, unfortunately. I have seen that happen, and it's wrong, right? So that's why I'm here to change that, man. I'm here to change that. because so where do you draw again, the they- dividing line in taking care of an employee versus taking care of the organization? That's an interesting question because it's a uh, it, it's 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 a blurry line, right? Because we have to calibrate on what the employee feels is fair and what the organization feels is fa- is fair. And nine times out of ten, that balance is off. It's way off. One example is you know it, it's you, you could have an employee that has a complaint against a manager. We take action against that manager, but that action is not what the employee wanted to see. Because let's say the employee said good, uh, the manager said good morning the wrong way, or maybe said it a little bit too strongly, and the employee didn't like that. The employee wants his manager fired, right? We talked to the manager, hey, would you rude to uh, to Johnny? Oh, yeah, I kind of was. I had a bad morning. All right, don't do that again. All right, no problem. He doesn't do it again, right? I've addressed it. But Johnny wants this person fired. No, I'm not going to fire that person for that. He had a bad morning, right? He just said good morning to you roughly. What does that mean? I don't know, right? But that's not grounds for termination. Ooh, I know how. And, they turned how? to you and they said, 
more than asshole and kind of went about their business, right? Well, that's different. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's different. If you cuss Shut at somebody, you might get terminated for that. <laughs> well, you might get terminated for that. Not right? necessarily. So, yeah. It depends on your workplace and the culture that you're in. I can vividly recall a peer of mine getting yelled at. He was told, shut the F up. And then the guy that said it said, I'm sorry, immediately afterwards. We yeah, were in the middle of a desert a at the time. Yeah, that was a different organization, right? That's an organization <laughs> that I don't think HR exists in that world. Oh, it yeah, exists. Is there an HR? Yeah, no, it exists. It's a different ball. Really? Life, so, yeah. It never, dude, yeah, no, of course it does, because you had it claimed on your LinkedIn profile for a while. I saw that. <laughs> dude, I tell you, could you imagine if the Marine Corps had an HR department? No. I mean, I, I know they kind of do. They kind of do, but. So this keeps coming up and <laughs> this keeps coming up and we, we're, we're on the heels of multiple news stories and multiple things saying over and over and over union, 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 strike, strike, yeah. strike, union, 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 blah, 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 blah. And it's like mm-hmm. we're beaten over the head with this for weeks upon weeks upon weeks on end. And now the news stories and articles are starting to come out. You cannot trust human resources. HR is not your friend. Remember, it's okay to talk to a union representative. And and all this stuff is going on. And it's like, hmm, it was quiet till now. What's, yeah, what seems yeah. to be happening? I see a trend here. I'm not trying to read reactive. between the lines, but, you know, it's weird. That, it's just too much. That's what happens when you're reactive. When you have reactive leadership, you don't pay attention to what the employees are, are complaining about. Next thing you know, you got some people in the parking lot talking to your employees about unionizing. It's already too late. It's too late. You're in trouble. Now now you're reacting and you're not being a proactive leader to make sure your employees have what they need. You deserve that if that's the case. All right. Well, so, we said that. So if, if you're – things that we've learned today – if you're tech savvy, you can find a website online that will coach you on how to work two <laughs> jobs. If you're working for Amazon, they're not going to pay you at times when you take leave. So I guess you may as well have two jobs. And if you think you need to trust HR, their software sucks. You shouldn't. You should unionize because HR hates you. And you Dave go. Chappelle is not apologizing for anything. Here is our quick roundup so far of things that we learned this morning in current events and the news. Uh, this last piece I have for you before we get into fun things. And yes, we are still within the, the realm of, of current events and whatnot. Um, this one's this is a tough one, man. Um, we're 42 minutes deep in with the program. Should you desire to skip ahead 10 minutes, feel free. But right now, EEOC updated its COVID-19 guidance on religious accommodations. This is coming to us directly from the National Law Review, October 31st, 2021, volume XI, number 304, National Law Review in the house. This article was written by Patricia Anderson Pryor, Rebecca J. Davis, Andrew F. Mons, and Nurin Hamid. Since March 2020, the U.S. EEOC COVID-19 technical assistance, quote, what you should know about COVID-19 and the ADA, the Rehabilitation Act and other EEO laws, end quote, has been valuable resource for employers dealing with the unprecedented challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. The EEOC updated the guidance on October 25th by adding Section L. Section L addresses additional questions relating to vaccination requirements in the context of Title uh, title V I what's that title? What Rick title five, seven, 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 title seven, seven. title seven, seven of the civil rights act 
and religious accommodations. As with past updates to the guidance, it's important for employers to be aware of the EEOC's position and to factor the EEOC's guidance into their decision-making. Rick, take the next uh, little bit here. One more as it go on to say. While the new Section 1 did not establish any new policy, L, section and L. largely Section L, see, I need new glasses, uh, the new policy and largely echoed the EEOC January, 21st, January 2021 update on its, quote, compliance manual on religious discrimination, end quote. It provides a new user-friendly tool that can help employers grapple with the increasing number of religious accommodations requests many are seeing as a result of the vaccine policy. So some of the key provisions that, huh? right here in Section L, the EEOC reiterated that employees must inform their employer if they need an exception to the COVID-19 vaccine requirements due to a conflict with a sincerely held religious belief, practice, or observance. Employees need not use magic words such as religious accommodation or Title uh, Seven. Next, Rick. Wow. So according to the EEOC, employers should assume a religious accommodation request by an employee is based on a sincerely held religious belief. We knew that. However, an employer is permitted to make a limited factual inquiry as to the religious basis of the request or the employee's sincerely sincerity where the employer has an objective basis to doubt it. Huh. Furthermore, while the while what qualifies such a religious as religion under Title VII can be broad, Title VII does not protect and that social, political, or economic views or personal preferences. The guidance sets forth several factors which, either alone or in combination, could potentially undermine the employee's credibility. Whether the accommodation is likely sought for religious, non-religious reasons, the timing is suspect, or the employer has reasons to believe the accommodation request is not for religious reasons. Dude, this is, okay. The EEOC reminds employers to consider possible alternative accommodations, such as the telework or reassignment, and determining if an accommodation can be provided without an undue hardship and refer to employers to Section K.6, this Thing is blocking one. So there you go. Point six for disease control and prevention recommendation when assessing accommodations and whether they would pose an undue hardship. All right. I want to put a pause on the article right there. There's a few more. There's three more key bullet points and things do wrap up within the article. We're not going to cover those right now. We might talk about them a little bit, but we're not going to go verbatim. Stop by the National Law Review dot com. Uh, the title of this is EEOC Updated COVID-19 Guidance on Religious Accommodation. Here's what you need to know. You'll get the rest of this right there. We'll also uh, try to get a tweet out with this link. And maybe some of the other links today, Rick. Maybe maybe the intern or, or the team could tweet these links out uh, to help out. And the reason why we do that, this is educational information. Yet at the same time, uh, the National Law Review does have a, a job to do. And they've got great writers. There's other things there to dissect. Um a lot's changing in this landscape. I want to ask you something real quick. When we're talking about reasonable accommodation, COVID-19, some employers said, you know what? We ain't doing this right now. We ain't dealing with this right now. We're going to try to figure this out as we go, and we're going to invest in technology, and you stay home. And for an entire year, you had your workforce home, and now you're starting to slowly matriculate them back in, and maybe it's not working out, or maybe it is working out, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you know that these employees were productive, they were home, they were working from home for you during that time, or maybe they've not even returned. You found a new pattern to your workforce, and you're realizing, coming into that new reality of saying, 
I could cut costs and, and save things on the corners and do this, that, and the other and change the paradigm of the way that this business is set up. I don't need the brick and mortar. They don't need to commute for two and a half to three hours. We don't need to live that way. We could live differently. But then you're, you're persistent on having people come back to the office. So when we talk about like a reasonable accommodation, okay, and we're thinking about the bigger picture of this, it, it seems like religious accommodation or not, it seems like within this guidance from what we did review so far that they are stressing the importance of being able to at least even provide the accommodation, regardless of religious accommodation aspects and perspectives, take that out of the equation altogether. It, it seemed to me, and I may stand corrected, but please tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like this article is just very simply saying, continue to leave them be. It's not, yeah, not, not rocket science here. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. It, just let them be. Let them be. Organizations can avoid any religious okay. accommodations okay, concerns hang on. Hang on. if they just continue to work from home. Hang on. That's it. Hang on. Just leave them be, right? Mm -hmm. Just leave them be. But how can you leave them be? They're not as productive at home. Okay, let's go devil's advocate here. They're not as productive okay. at home. They're, they're not communicating the right way. They're, they're stressed. There's anxiety. I need to get control of this. The, 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 the way that I've led my employees is by a stiff hand and a, a firm, broad yeah. mustache. And I walk by their desk with my cup of coffee and I make sure they're doing what they do and I get to hear all the chatter by the water cooler and I know this, that, and the other and I don't believe in AOL chat rooms and I uh, <laughs> dial up. Okay. I don't need dial up. You know, I mean, it's it's two sides of the coin in the equation, man. I mean, okay, all that devil gas. Hey, you know what? That's crazy talk, right? It's crazy talk, but for some people, it's not crazy talk. There's a lot of business owners out there. There's a lot of people out there that have evolved and changed with, with the workplaces. Things have grown and gone on, Okay. But this is not 1997 anymore, you know? Cotton candy is sweet as gold. We saw the Tootsie's Roll. We're past it. It's like 20 years later here, okay? <laughs> like Tootsie's Roll. Yeah, yeah. You know that song. We all love that song, <laughs> right? Give me a minute. Uh. <laughs> you got to throw in a 90s uh, quote of reference when you can. Yeah, so to, you we, to, right? We've all advanced. We've all moved on. Everything has moved on so much that Facebook even gave up on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, now, I mean, yeah, now they're your, like, I'm changing my name. <laughs> right, wrap your head around that trash, right? I mean, like, okay, MySpace was cool, and we had a Bebo thing for a bit. They disappeared, and then Facebook. Oh my God, Facebook, Bebo! Yeah, Bebo, you remember that one? <laughs> and then Facebook that, yeah. emerges out of nowhere. Da -da, Facebook, and then the stalking, and then like the you know the whole thing, and okay. oh, my employers on Facebook, or they could read what I just typed, and I need to. I'm so controlled, I can't. And then boom. TikTok emerges in the midst of like a whole Instagram push and everything like that. Now the world's totally different. You're putting faces with names and maybe your name is user one, two, three, seven, five, two, 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 booty, booty. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. You found your anonymity and you're going online and you're enjoying yourself. You're doing your thing. And amidst all this and all the criticism and all the backlash and all the insanity and the social media pushes and Facebook gave up on itself yeah. as Facebook they as did. it stands. And they renamed themselves Meta. And now they're going to create this whole new magical world full of cryptocurrencies and fake people. They're going to take Roblox and smoosh it together. I'm going to tell you this right now. This is going to be nuts. Work with me on this one. So picture mm -hmm. this. Five years down the road, you go to work in your dark, dingy basement. The black mold is on the walls. The dehumidifier has been running for seven days straight. You're hungry, but not too hungry. You've got a code red Mountain Dew in one hand and a bag of chips in the other. And you know that your future's ahead of you. And you sit down in that chair, 
and you put on your goggles, and now you're in the virtual workspace provided by Meta. You are performing your tasks and duties of HR, and you're meeting with with fake people, not fake people, but like, uh, how you say, like computer animated people that represent the actual avatars. real person. Yeah, the avatars, right? So the, it, it, your workforce is all these avatars, and you're like, hey, let's have a meeting. Oh, we're on Zoom. Yeah, guess what? You don't have to look that way anymore. Maybe you, maybe you're investing your money that you're investing in is now into digital clothing for your digital person. You can look as buff as you want to. And then when you're done with work, you could roll over the other way and go back to sleep. Like you're not going to have to move out of your pod anymore or whatever this is. Mm. It's like a totally different world that they're portraying and pushing forward. And this is okay. When we think about the meta, oh my gosh, here it is. So look, long story short. From EEOC to National Law Review to reasonable accommodation <laughs> to forcing your employees to come back. They've got uh, Amazon delivering all the groceries. They work for you and maybe seven other employers at the same time. And it's all in a digital space. And it's crazy and it's good and it's fine. And Dave Chappelle's never going to apologize. These are facts of the world right now. <laughs> what do you think about all this? Um, yeah, I agree. No, I'm just kidding. Look, uh, it's it's iRobot. It's the movie iRobot, and it's happening, and it's real. And uh, it, it's we're going to be in a world where nobody is ever going to – it's almost like COVID-19 was an experiment to see if this is going to work, right? It's, it's, it's almost like to see if people are able to work from home, if they're able to live from home. Amazon sends things to your home. Kroger sends um, uh, groceries to your home. All those different things. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, dude? <laughs> but going back, going back to the EEOC, as far as the religious account, turn the music off, bro. Three, uh, two, one. We got the next segment coming. Okay, go ahead. Fine. Reasonable no, no, accommodation. Ahead, ahead. F- finish, finish the next segment. Go ahead. Let's do the next segment. Go ahead. You're killing me here. No, finish up, really. You got 30 seconds. Seriously. No, I don't. I don't have 30 seconds. Look, so it's the, the EEOC has come down to, to crack down on religious accommodations. A lot of employers are complaining because people all of a sudden are finding religion. Folks, at the end of the day, HR people, if you have somebody come forward, whether you believe it is a legitimate one or not, you've got to go through the process. And if you believe that you, if you doubt that they have a sincerely heard belief, you got to be careful in how you approach it and asking if that's the case. So consult your legal uh, counsel and make sure you've got everything you need Otherwise, you're going to end up in a huge heap of trouble. Huge heaps of trouble heaping to the heaps. Now, a TikTok star, according to Alex Sunday from CBS News, a TikTok star accused of killing his newly estranged wife and her male friend in San Diego last week was extremely jealous, the star's cousin told CBS affiliate KFMB-TV. Luis, uh, Louis, Louis Mariani told the station that he met with his cousin, Ali, Three days before, prosecutors say uh, Ali fatally shot his wife, Anna, 28 years old, and her friend, Rayburn, 29. Ali, 29 years old himself, has pled not guilty to first-degree murder charges and is being held without bail. If convicted, he could face the death penalty. He's known as Gin Kid on TikTok, the popular short video app. When Mariani met with his cousins days before the killing, Mariani told KFMB-TV that Ali pulled out a bag of cocaine. It was like, you're going to get us all in trouble, Mariani told the station. He's like, I'm Jin Kid, you know, nobody can touch me because I'm Jin Kid. Oh, I'm Jin Kid. <laughs> Mariani told the station Anna's uh, social life flourished after the couple moved to San Diego in February. And he didn't think her husband liked that so much. 
I think he became very jealous uh, of of what took place, of like the stardom. And uh, Mariani said Anna's friends didn't want to spend time with her husband because he was kind of not nice. So he just became super jealous because his wife was going out with friends and he wasn't invited. He wasn't allowed <laughs> to go along, right? And he wanted to control her, Mariani said. He wanted to know what she was doing every time of day. Prosecutor said Anna asked her husband to leave their apartment October 18th. He was in denial about it. He thought they were going to get back together. According to prosecutors, Ali returned to the apartment last Thursday, installed a nap on an iPad belonging to the couple's five-year-old daughter that allowed him to listen in on all conversations. Prosecutors said he shot and killed his wife and, and Baron in the apartment later that day after listening to her speaking with a man. Mariani said he now hates his cousin. I've got a lot of anger towards him, and I hope they punish him to the full extent of the law because he deserves it. Alex Sun, uh, Sunaby is a senior editor for CBS News. Stop by cbsnews.com or stop by uh, KFMB-TV for more details and information on the story as it continues to emerge. Uh, Ricky, you did bring that story forward. Talk to us a little bit about this one. That is crazy. It, it, it's, I, so... <laughs> I'm pausing, right, because uh, I'm going back to the HR world and the importance of EAP. And follow me here for a second. Follow me. Um, I I had a conversation with a fellow HR person a couple of weeks ago how um, they are having a really hard time in pushing EAP. And they actually did a survey. They did a survey uh, with the employees on whether they like EAP, what do they think about EAP. And it was just completely horrible. Employees don't believe in it. They don't want to be labeled, stuff of that nature. Anyway. What is, how does this relate to the employee assistance program? Because could you imagine, JC, if you were at work and you see something like this manifest in the office, right? What should you do as an employee? If you see employee A that's getting really irritated because his girlfriend or spouse or or, or domestic partner or whatever it is, um, it's uh, it's it's they're getting upset that they are talking to other people. They're getting insanely jealous. They're they're acting violently. So what do you do as an employee? Go to HR. Go to a leader. Let somebody know. Do not do not gaff those things off as something, oh, that's just how he is. Yeah, people are going to say that that's just how he is until you read it or you hear it on an HR Talk podcast that this person shot somebody. You could have done something about it. Folks, employees, say so. if you see something, say something. Even talk to the person. You never know. Maybe you're saying hello and not saying hello, asshole. Just say hello to the person in the morning in a nice way. Might be the one thing that might steer the ship the other way. You don't know that, right? If, if you're not comfortable with that, just make sure that you bring it up to leadership. Now, I'm talking to leadership and human resources. Make sure you have an open-door policy when it comes to things like this. Make it insanely, incredibly easy for employees to come forward with this kind of information because you do have a responsibility not only to ensure that the employees are performing to the best of their ability, but that they have a safe place to do so as well. You do have that responsibility, so make sure you put policies in place that makes it easy for employees to say something and you can investigate these issues and make sure that you promote and push your EAP programs in a positive light where employees can take it and make sure that they, they, they understand its true value, what it brings to the organization. That's what y'all should do. Damn it. You know, like I do, the time we spend online is sacred. 
Not really. <laughs> it's not really sacred. It's just something you're doing to pass time. But sometimes every now and then you you run across stuff on, on social media that makes you think twice, second guess, or maybe you have questions or you want to know a little bit more about it. Maybe it's thought-provoking. Maybe it reveals something. Or maybe it's just one of the 150 videos that your friend sent you on TikTok this past week. This is our weekly TikTok roundup of some things that stood out to us that uh, might be of interest to you. Might We'll might see. be. It might not be, though. You know, no, not really. Not we'll be. see. There's a, there's a whole bunch of these uh, here this week, Rick. I uh, I've, the list that I have starts on October 25th with more New York City oh. buildings, but it looks like that one's dumb. So uh, October 26th, I'm forward. I, it's up to you. Where do you want to begin? Actually, I got some of them already pulled up, ready to go. So let's go. The what one that got? I have, yeah. Alina 2.0. Don't tell me the sky's the limit when oh. there's footprints on the moon. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go. Guys, I need your consent. Actually, I don't because something amazing is already happening. I just need your help. We'll call it a science experiment, and I won't even coerce you to do it. Huh? It takes just one spark to light a fire, right? Well, some employees of a very well-known worldwide company have submitted medical exemptions for natural immunity, and they've been accepted. Oh. Let's prove the science. Prove we're like anyone else. I mean, why wouldn't a doctor sign off on that? And remember when I told you that the executive order, EO14042, never mentioned the V word one time? It just talked about workplace safety, which natural immunity proves. Not only that, there is no reason to treat any employee different than the others. Imagine if everybody did this. Take your immunity to restaurants. It probably won't save me because I haven't had it. But if it can save everyone else, nothing to lose. Guys. That was Alina 2.0 talking about that. So did she, were you, were you able to follow up to see what organization did that? that I don't cool. think that she's a, a lawyer either. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know if she represents a union or She's working on the uh, behalf of a, a foreign government either. So uh, who knows if what she's saying is true or not. But it's interesting. I couldn't find any news articles to support it. Um, it would be interesting to learn or know a little bit more about that, though. Have you read Have you read the hashtags on this? No. On this what, post? what are they? Hashtag blow the whistle. Hashtag herd immunity. Hashtag us U.S. freedom flyers. Hashtag Prada bucket challenge. Oh, that okay. Is. Yeah, got it. Hashtag KFC what, what about, secret uh, menu hacks. <laughs> what about some of the Seriously? comments? What about some of the comments in the in the thread on this one? Any? Oh my God! Yeah, actually, no. Yeah, Are you I'm able to see comments? Right no, nah, don't it's don't not, bother. Don't bother. No, don't bother. No, it's can't. Fine. Not from my desktop. <laughs> yeah, we're not even going to go down that path. We had a very rough start to the day regarding yeah. comments. All right, so the uh, the next one here, I believe that might be hiring managers. Hiring managers Travis, getting ghosted. Is, it? is that right? Oh, well, let's find out. This is from Travis Schreffler. Here's what he says. There's apparently a new trend going on where companies and hiring managers are just getting ghosted from people that are even getting interviews. And I just have one question. Um, what flavor is it? Your own, your own medicine. What does it taste like? There's apparently a new trend going on where companies and hiring managers are just getting ghosted from people that are even getting interviews. And I just have one question: um, What flavor is it? Your own, your own medicine. What is it? I love it. I love it, wow. JC. 
Wow. Here's <laughs> here's why I love it. I've been saying for years, HR people, uh, hiring managers, if you interview somebody and they're not selected, you give them a call back. You let them know. Let them know exactly why they didn't get that position. Offer some feedback. Don't leave them hanging. Let them know where they are in the process. Yes, I wonder if they like that flavor as well. Yeah, well, I, I think one of the funny things, not funny things, but like one of the sad things is, you know, those, you know, you, you may have applied to a job multiple times uh, from that Craigslist ad that you saw, you know, and you, you just want to work from home. And then next thing you know, you're not getting calls telling you that, you know, they want to interview you or don't interview you, but you just keep getting phone calls for like extended warranty coverage. And then your phone gets hacked and your identity is stolen. It's it's really strange how those things connect in the online world. I guess uh, deferring to quality sites like, you know, Indeed or others might be a better way to go than applying to jobs on Craigslist. Just <laughs> food for thought out there to those who are looking for their seventh work from home job. Yeah. So <laughs> as, as we move forward, this next one here is daily inspirational vows before the workday begins. This one is from Christus, you know, Christy Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Having complications with the English language. Ricky oh, Baez. Christy Swain. <laughs> good morning, friends. Let's see what she says. Note to self. At work today, try not to say, Jesus fucking Christ, shut the fuck up. You need your job. That was that so, was uh, okay. very inspirational. Yeah. Very inspirational. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Christy or Kristen. It's a Swain. Hey, uh, honestly, JC. At, le- at least on. she's not doing it wearing like the company shirt. <laughs> you know. What well, I mean? well, I don't know. She's uh, maybe the cup. How many times do you say that in a week in your head? I, I don't. I don't use those words. Uh, that that's very bad language. Very bad Bullshit. Language. All right. Next one. All right. All right. So uh, the next one is being fired because you're white. Whoa, Attorney Ryan, dude, I love his TikTok. This is Attorney Ryan on TikTok. Let's see. This week, a jury awarded a former healthcare executive $10 million because he claims he was fired for being white. Here's the alleged victim, Mr. David Duvall. Mr. Duvall claimed that he was fired because the company was trying to diversify its senior leadership. After trial, the jury found that Mr. Duvall did prove that race was a primary factor in causing him to be fired, and they valued his damages at $10 million. Did the jury make the right call here, or is this number too high? Tell me what you think. What's he asking us what we think? He's the lawyer. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. You're the lawyer. Right. You tell me if that's you, right or not. You tell me what you're thinking. I'll tell you what we're thinking here, Ryan. <laughs> Let me tell you what no. I'm thinking, Ryan. Ryan. If we go back I a couple s- years, um, not even a couple years. I think it was a year and a half. We started dissecting. It was on the heels of AB5 out in California. And then some new rules went into effect out in California that were directly impacting organizations. Now, I don't know if where this guy worked was headquartered out of California, but they put rules in effect that said that uh, the boards of directors or the senior executives, et cetera, they they had to account for um, quotas. Wasn't that right, Rick? No, JC. Uh, Organizations do that as far as quotas are concerned, but that is the biggest mistake you can do. Don't say no and don't say that because you're talking out your hole right now. Listen, Uh, you don't remember... (laughs) You have a hole, and you're talking out of it. Yes. 
We're using the same tools. You know what? Go Ramble ahead. for a second, and I'll Google it, and I'll remind you about it. Just bear with me. Go ahead. Keep saying your words, though. What are you talking about? California board mandate. It was part of the reason that some businesses left California. Okay. Mm-hmm. There it is. So not talking out of the butthole, this comes from JDSuper.com back December 17, 2020. And we did cover this on HR Talk. I feel terrible mm-hmm. that you don't remember this, though. California companies that, have... I'm sorry? Go ahead. California companies have to meet specific requirements by the end of 2021. All boards must have one underrepresented member by the end of 2022. Boards with nine or more members must have three underrepresented members, while boards with five to eight members must have two underrepresented members. And from this, some businesses were extrapolating the need to, let's see, extrapolate on, on underrepresented. So the California lies of California law applied to all domestic or foreign companies with its principal office in California and under the law, companies are required to increase diversity for underrepresented, including blacks, African-Americans, Hispanics, Latinos, Asians, Native Americans and members of the LGBT LGBTQ community. Two years ago, California mandated that at least one board member has to be female as well. Companies that do not meet these requirements in the state of California will be subject to penalties of $100,000 to $300,000. So where I was going with this was, I'm unsure if the business that the gentleman works for is headquartered out of California. It would be interesting to find out if that business was headquartered in California. And this entire thing roots back to that law that was going into effect in regards to the 2021-2022 thing. Now, I know you said no. But my reference there was specifically to that, just to kind of like bring it together. That's all. And my reference was, if I would have finished, is that you're not supposed to do that because as far as the EEOC and affirmative action plans, there's nothing about that that should have a quota. Yes, that, that was something that was that, that was being thrown around in California. What I'm saying is from a federal perspective, no, there cannot be doing that because that will land any organization who follows those protocols in a state that it, it, that that has those in place that would violate any affirmative action plans set forth by the federal government. So, no, they're not supposed to be doing that now. And for reference, the- that'll be Assembly Bill number 979 for the state of California out there. And it's a act to amend section 301.3 of and to add sections 301.4 and 2115.6 to the corporations code relating to corporations. And it was approved by the secretary of state of California, again, specific to California law. And they're asking for trouble. And actually, they're already in trouble. It's, can they even be deemed? Can they be, still be called the state of California? I don't know if anybody can actually say I live in the state of California. This just live in a wasteland. But no, you, you, it, that's something you cannot do. Now, coming back to this and what Attorney Ryan is saying, something I don't know if I don't think he said it, but it says it on the post. White executive who sued for reverse discrimination wins a $10 million lawsuit. Uh, just to be there clear, is, it's not reverse discrimination. It's just exactly discrimination. Exactly my point. There is no such thing as reverse discrimination. If you say there is reverse discrimination, you're implying that the law favors one race over another. And when the law says that it it prevents discrimination based on race, whether it's white, 
lack, whatever the case may be. And so I just want to make sure the New York Post does you. that right. So David Duvall of Michigan is the guy's name. He sued Novant Health Incorporated in 2019 after he was fired from his job as the North Carolina healthcare provider, senior vice president of marketing and communications in 2018. And that jury award of $10 million is now at play. Uh, primarily in his argument, though, he argued that the company violated the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and North Carolina's equal employment practices. The jury found Duvall's case, uh, Duvall's race or sex was a motivating factor um, because because of his being a white guy. Uh, it didn't. Wow. Wow. That, that it's see, all cra- it's, it's crazy. Here it is. They learned their lesson. They learned their lesson. As soon as you start pulling, we got too much of one race in one area and not another, you're going to end up with situations just like this. It and says it, in this piece crazy. here uh, that this isn't the first time that a white person has sued their former employer for wrongful termination based on the race or gender. Investment firm Franklin Templeton was sued earlier this year by a white woman who was fired in 2020 after a video of her yelling at a black man in Central Park went viral. The woman, Amy Cooper, said in the suit that she had been discriminated against and was targeted <laughs> for being a white woman. Franklin Templeton has since moved to dismiss the case. Interesting. That that one. That's a whole different ball. We we talked about that one too back in the day. I know you might say no, because you like to say no a lot. But we did talk about that one too. We did. What's your next one? This next one is Rod <laughs> Rhoda Gonzalez with a bunch of Z's. What hill are you willing one hundred percent, one thousand percent to die on? What's a hill that you're willing to die on a thousand percent of the time? Uh, Companies nationwide are posting jobs everywhere and putting up help wanted signs all over the place with zero intent to hire so that they do not have to pay back the PPP loan. If you read through the loan, you will realize if they are unable to fill those positions, that loan turns into a grant that they do not have to pay back to the government. Therefore, if they can fake it and fraudulently cheat the government out of that money back, they are doing so. Is that real? It is fraud I don't by know. all of these companies. Is what? that real? We need to die. So I, I right now not might might not be the time to analyze that unless you have some resources available. But is no, that a real thing in regards to not paying? You know, taking the loan and turning that into a grant due to not being able to hire people. I'm just saying, if that was real, well, I mean, I don't know about the PPP loans enough to know if that it's. That, that verbiage is in there or not. Uh, and I'm definitely not going to take this video as evidence because if people didn't see it, it's a video of somebody pointing at some scrunchies. That's it, right? Some hair, some, some hair ties while, while they're talking. I don't know if that's legit or not. All I'm saying is organizations that are that big, that's if, if they are doing that, that's really short-sighted business-wise. Because I, I, here's what I'm saying that's not real. Because, yes, organizations have for sales, for sales uh, help want to signs up. But then there's I, there's a lot of other um, uh, news articles talking about employees who are not going to those interviews or not because they just the pay is too low. <laughs> so I don't know if that's that's the case or not. 
no. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe that, to be honest. That's really short-sighted. It is a little funny, though. though. It's like, you know, hey, we were huge hiring event. Stop over here at the theme park. You, you too, could join join the team. $7.15 an hour. Well, McDonald's raising their rates now, I think, to 20 bucks an hour. I saw an article. So they're raising their rates. Starbucks is raising their rates. Walmart is paying for, for, uh, for college degrees. So the lack of interest what about in pizza? these current is positions pizza right Hut? now. Is Pizza Hut increasing the cost? Pizza Hut still around? I don't, I don't even around. know. About you. Do you, I mean, pizza by you. How much does a pizza cost by you? Um, I don't know. Two large pies, some wings. I don't know, 40 bucks? Like maybe? a large pizza by me is like hands down $22, $23 now. Sometimes 25 or 30 depending on who's making it. It's like even the cost of pizzas go... Pizza? Wait, hang on. It's time for Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories this week brought to you in part by your favorite pizza place. Just stop by there and just relish in the moment. Say, pizza eating suspect is responsible for a pair of car break-ins and was caught after deputies followed a trail of evidence in Deltona. Dewey Smith, 38 years old, was arrested on Wednesday after being caught walking down the street carrying victims' credit cards and IDs. The victims reported the car break-ins around 7.30 a.m. on Jefferson Avenue in Deltona. Deputies with the Volusia County Sheriff's Office responded to the scene and discovered that one of the car's center consoles was open and a glove box rummaged through. The victim's wallet was also missing. According to deputies, marinara sauce was on the inside handle of the driver's side door. Authorities then noticed an empty pizza box at the scene. And there was another car break-in. A 9mm handgun and an old concealed weapons permit were missing, according to officials. Neighbors told Jesus knew anyone looking to buy a gun. Smith was also carrying a white grocery bag. That contained credit cards and gift cards. One of the neighbors reported that he wanted her to call a number to check the balance on one of these gift cards, but she refused. Additionally, the neighbor ordered Little Caesar's pizza. Oh. Smith took the pizza box out of the garbage. The stolen credit cards were used in the overnight and early morning hours at three different gas stations in Deltona. And when Smith was caught walking on Twin Oak Streets with the victim's cards in his hands, he said, You got me red-handed, according to deputies. Smith is facing charges with armed burglary, burglary of a conveyance, four counts of fraudulent use of credit cards, grand theft of a firearm, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, theft, and dealing in stolen property. He was taken to the Volusia County Branch Jail, where he remains in custody on a $71,000 bond. Florida man. Ricky, back to you. Oh, man. Look, look, I don't know It's if uh, you guys have Little Caesars up in Buffalo. I know down here, it's uh, really cheap. $5 piece of pizza. They are so freaking good. So I get the guy. I get it. You're going to steal information to just buy Little Caesars? I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not advocating for any of that, but what I'm saying is the food is good. I love Little Caesars. Your last Florida story of the day is coming to us from not Florida. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be coming to us from Wilmington, North Carolina. 
A Netflix series called Florida Man is filming in Wilmington, North Carolina, and is looking for extras this week. NBC affiliate WECT reports that TW Cast and Recruit is looking for adults in the 20 to 40-year-old range from a diverse range of backgrounds. Extras will be filming a casino day scene on Wednesday. Extras for the Netflix series will be paid $80 for eight hours and will receive time and a half for any hours beyond eight. Extras who test negative for coronavirus and work in Wilmington will receive an $80 COVID-19 bump, according WECT. A Netflix mandate requires all extras to be fully vaccinated against the virus. If you want to apply to being an extra for the series Florida Man in Wilmington, North Carolina... Stop on down, get in touch with them, or stop by the WRAL.com website to apply. Florida Man series for Netflix being filmed in Carolina. (laughs) That's right. As soon as I read that, I'm like, what? Yes. Ironically, this is like they couldn't do it in Jacksonville. (laughs) Right? Like this. (laughs) I mean, come on. You they have they don't need writers. All they have to do is listen to the show and follow the stories that we talk about. Boom, there you go. Go to Deltona. Go to Melbourne. Go to Clearwater. Go to Apopka. Why you got to film in Wilmington, North Carolina? That makes no sense. Crazy. I don't, right? And, bro, you and I had spent some time in Wilmington, right? Because when, when we were stationed up in Camp Lejeune, we go to Wilmington every now and then. It looks nothing like Florida. So I have no idea why they're filming over there. I mean, it's if if that's the case, stay in California and build a set that looks like Daytona. But I don't know. That one irked me. You know what? Netflix, I take it back. I don't stand by you anymore. This is this is the hill I'm willing to die on a thousand percent. <laughs> with with Dave Chappelle, they did a great job. With this one, yeah, you're screwing the pooch. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Pooches nope. and screwings. Ricky Ew. buys with the advice. Eighty dollars. Ten dollars. So I guess they get paid ten dollars an hour. Plus Little Suits of Pizza. <gasps> Ricky. So, so Guess what? All Hallow's Eve, All Saints Eve, and Halloween is today, October 31st. And it goes by many names. And it's easily one of the most beloved holidays in our country. But even though you've probably been celebrating your whole life there may be still a lot that you don't know about halloween (laughs) now to help you brush up on your trivia we have put together a list of halloween fun facts that maybe you need to know too ricky where did Halloween originate from? Do you know? I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm going to say Austria. No. The origins of Halloween date back 2,000 years to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which was celebrated October 31st on the eve of the new year, according to the History Channel. Celts believed that the dead returned to Earth that night, and so they lit bonfires and donned costumes to ward off ghosts. Pretty crazy. What do you? How do you feel about that one? That's that's actually awesome. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Okay, I did not know that. Right. I don't know why I said Austria. I'm sorry, Austrian people. It's okay. Now, 
You're Austrian? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you know that Irish immigrants brought Halloween to the United States? I did not know that. It was in the mid-1800s, and a flood of Irish immigrants fled the potato famine. And they came to the United States, bringing the tradition of Halloween with them. Crazy. Now, when we think about the jack-o'-lantern, it was also inspired by an Irish legend. Did you know, according to the History Channel, the name Jack O'Lantern is rooted in Irish folktale about a man named Stingy Jack who fooled the devil and in turn was forced to walk the earth with only a burning coal in a hollowed turnip. Scary. It's all he had was a turnip with a burning coal to light his way. Ooh. The Irish began to call him Jack of the Lantern. And then just hey, ja- Jack O'Lantern. Yeah. Hey, Netflix, pay attention. This is what you should be doing a series on. <laughs> In Ireland. Turnips. <laughs> Burning turnips. Okay, so one of our next little-known facts here. Um, did you know that most lit jack-o'-lantern, uh, jack-o'-lanterns on display is 30,581? Who took that? Who, who really? It was the city of Keene, New Hampshire, and they hold the Guinness wow. World Record for the most lit jack o' lanterns on display, a whopping thirty thousand five hundred eighty-one jack o' lanterns. And Keene was the original record holder in this category, and has broken the record eight times since then. Pretty wild, <laughs> isn't it, man? Pretty wild. Okay. And in, un- and in unrelated news, pumpkin spice is a big shortage up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's like the one thing yeah. that they don't have. Okay, without okay. skimming ahead, without doing your little internet okay. searches or anything like that, here's the next question for you. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Uh, what year did candy start getting given out? Uh, when, when, what year, what, what decade was candy given out for the first time during Halloween? So it's about 2,000 years old, you're saying. So what year was candy starting to – what decade? I'm going to go by decade. I'm going to say the 19, 1900s, early, that early on. Okay, and what decade in the 1900s? No, no, yeah, it just, just, just between 1901 and 1910. Ah, okay. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a time when trick-or-treaters didn't receive candy at all, but they got – pieces of cake or fruit or nuts or coins or little toys. It wasn't until the 1950s when candy makers Ah! began to promote their goods for Halloween. The candy became a staple on the trick-or-treating circuit. Now these days, one quarter of all the candy sold in the United States each year is purchased for Halloween. Did you? That was a great. That was, yeah, yeah, that was craziness. Okay, so we're going to, I'm going to ask you the top five Halloween costumes in 2020. What were the top five Halloween costumes according to the Nas- National Retail Federation in, in, in 2020, Ricky? All right, 2020, not 2021, 2020. Got it. So political year. Trump, Biden, Kim Jong-un, uh, Mario. Somewhere in there, a sexy nurse. I mean, that's popular every year. <laughs> and uh one more uh i don't know it's uh it, it, it's that 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 thing from pokemon what do you call that yellow thing from pokemon i don't know i have no idea <laughs> okay so 
Actually, in 2020, the top Halloween costumes for adults were witch, vampire, cat, Batman, and ghost. Are you serious? Yes. Isn't that then? Isn't that every year? No. All right. <laughs> so, uh, what was the number one candy in the United States in 2020? Dude, come on, Snickers. It's gotta no, be the fun not size Snickers. Snickers. Not Snickers. Believe it or not, it was Skittles. Followed Ew. by Reese's Cups and then Starburst. Even... So fruit, chocolate, fruit? It makes That's no crap. sense to me. Like makes, nah, if, if crap, you dude. if I was trick-or-treating and you gave me Skittles or Starburst, I'm trading those for good candies. I'm keying your car is what I'm doing. (laughs) If I get that, I'm keying your freaking car. What is the least favorite candy in the United States for Halloween? The candy corn. You got it. 110%. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, candy corn was originally called chicken feed. Did you know that? (laughs) No. Yeah. It it doesn't help candy corn's case at all, but the love or loathed treat was originally marked as uh, marketed as as chicken feed when it was first popularized around the end of the 19th century. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Chicken feet or feed? Feed. 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 Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> Foxtrot. Echo, feed. echo, delta. Feed. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, do, what do you call the fear of Halloween? What do you call the fear of Halloween? I'm making this up. Arachna. <laughs> I mean, Halloween phobia. I don't know. Oh, you're so close. You are so close. Really? Sam Hanophobia. Sam Hain, Sam Hainophobia. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I never didn't know that that one. Did you? No. Okay. Okay. So in some states, the night before Halloween is also known as mischief night. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Well, some people call it beggars night. What do they do? Mischief night. They they do uh, you know go around begging for candy or like you know. It's an That's unofficial holiday <laughs> for pulling pranks, smashing uh, pumpkins, papering People yards with toilet paper. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devil's Night, the purge. as they call it in Michigan. <laughs> Devil's Night, right? Or the Purge and, and the Popka. Did you know that in Hollywood, Silly String is now banned on Halloween? You can literally be fined $1,000 for using Silly String in Hollywood, California on Halloween. Crazy, right? I think we can... I think we can go out on a limb and say that common sense is against the law anywhere in California okay. right now. <laughs> here's, here's a freaky one. Okay. Brace yourself. In a world. At a time. In 1926. Okay. This magician died on Halloween. Who was it? 1926 in Detroit, okay. Michigan. I want to say, um, man, my time is going to be off. Houdini, you are exactly right, Ricky Bias. Exactly I, I right. Am for real? Yes, you are exactly right. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, man. Here's here's the last one I got for you, and then we're going to call it a wrap on this crap right here. So, look, the world famous magician <laughs> and illusionist. Uh, he he died October thirty first after his appendix burst, according to Newsweek. He was rushed to the hospital after a performance on the night of October twenty fourth, nineteen twenty six, in Detroit, Michigan. He died a week later from peritonitis. 
the inflammation of organs caused by organ leakage. So his appendix burst October 24th during a performance, and he died Halloween night, Halloween day, October 31st, 1926. Harry Houdini. I, I Okay, I don't mean any disrespect with this one, JC, but I don't know why I almost wanted to hear that he died doing a performance, doing what he loves to do. And I know it sounds horrible. Uh, I, I was expecting to hear that he was trying to do a death-defying act, only he did not defy death uh, in the act. So his appendix bursts. I mean, it's sad either way, but I just I was expecting to hear something more along the lines of his craft. Yeah, well, well, he was being shackled into his Chinese water torture cell during a performance. Uh, the conjurer was struck on the leg by a piece of faulty equipment. He hobbled his way through the rest of the show, and he was later found to have sustained a fractured left ankle. Now, that's October 11th, 1926. So doctors ordered Houdini to, um, who who continued his tour at the time and traveled to Montreal. Mm. He gave a lecture at McGill University, and just a few days later on October 27, he invited some McGill students to visit him in his dressing room at the Princess Theater. The magician's sore ankle was still bothering him, so he plopped down on the couch while the group continued to chat. Now, at some point, a student named Jay Gordon Whitehead arrived and asked Houdini if it was true that he could resist hard punches to his abdomen. This was a claim that the magician has supposedly made to the public. Now, according to witnesses, Sam Smilovitz, When Houdini said the rumors were true, Whitehead abruptly delivered four or five terribly forcible, deliberate, well-directed blows to the stomach of Harry Houdini. Harry was still reclined on the couch and had no time to prepare for the punches, which appeared to leave him in extreme pain. Now, Harry Houdini did, did brush off the incident at the time. But that same evening, he began to complain of stomach cramps. And the condition only worsened, Rick. And the next day, when he boarded an overnight train to Detroit for a new run of performances, the magician developed severe abdominal pain, cold sweats, and fatigue. His temperature rose to 104 degrees. A doctor suspected appendicitis and instructed Houdini to go to the hospital, but the performer insisted on taking the stage that night for his opening show at the Garrick Theater. He proceeded to struggle through his routine before collapsing immediately after the final curtain. The show would be Houdini's last. The same night that he was taken to the Detroit hospital and prepared for surgery, doctors successfully removed his appendix, which was found to have ruptured during the events several days earlier. Despite this very grim prognosis, the magician clung to life until October 31st when... When he died with his wife, Bess, and his two brothers by his side, his cause of death was listed as peritonitis caused by a ruptured appendix. Caused by the punches. So he was murdered. You're, he was murdered. You're dude. tracking. You're tracking. So it's, uh. it's still a hotly debated thing till today. The legend of Harry Houdini lives on. Did you know that I, I do believe that there's only one audio recording of Harry? And do you know who's in possession of that? Who? David Copperfield. Oh, wow. 
Yes, okay. pretty wild. David Copperfield, the sole owner yeah. of the only recording of Harry Houdini, actually speaking. Pretty crazy. That is insane. Yeah. Okay, so was that recorded? So okay, you know, it, it, it's I I don't know my uh, my uh, history when it comes to recordings because if he passed away in the twenties, right? So I guess yeah, that it, it's that must have been done in some kind of a big production studio to be able to get that recording out there. And Copperfield has it, huh? I honestly forgot he was still around. <laughs> to be honest, dude, that I guy made that, that name he made he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. <laughs> he walked through the Great Wall of China. Remember that. I, yeah, that's right. That's CBS right. Sunday, that. CBS Saturday morning ran a beautiful piece on uh, David Copperfield this past weekend. Uh, David Copperfield's father was actually a very well-known actor, and he gave up acting to invest his time, money, and efforts into David and David's art and wow. craft. And some say if it wasn't for his father giving up on his own dreams that David Copperfield wouldn't be who he is today, but David Copperfield does firmly believe that he would be who he is today and his father would be proud of him, even if his father would have continued down his own path. It's just the whole thing is just more uh, crazy and interesting. So that's that's all I have. Final thoughts on the day are over to you, Ricky Bias. What do you got? Final thoughts, folks. Freedom of speech is freedom of speech. If you don't like what your organization is doing, if you don't like what the organization is putting out, then you know what? It, it, it's, it's If it's not harming you, just either... Go work somewhere else and let freedom of speech ring. Let Just let the organization do what they're doing as long as nobody is being harmed. That's it. And from, and from an HR perspective, um, not these days, especially late 2021, things are getting really tough. Connect with the HR, pro, uh, with your uh, legal professional before you take any drastic action. That is, that is my final words. That's, right. That's the... Trade horn welcoming us into another week of NFL football at the end of this program. It's been a pleasure to be here. I'm JC on behalf of Ricky Baez, our TikTok accounts and Instagram accounts, and the 200 people that stopped by for the live that never happened this morning. We want to thank you for being by. We're going to get that squared away sometime soon, though, right, Rick? We got to figure this out, right? Got to figure this we'll out. Figure again. it out. I just got to spend some time on it, figure out how to see the comments. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. It would be Girl, cool just to, like, pack up and go out west. You know, it'd be cool to, like, take one of those proverbial drives, go check out Wyoming or something, just random road trips. It, that, that'd be pretty cool. Hey, uh, to all of you on the social medias, uh, to the dear friends and everyone down there in the Central Florida area, you've had amazing things going on. And I want to take the remainder of this closing time during the program to ask Ricky one last thing. You had a special thing go on this week. You did stuff with things out there. It was all over the internets. It was all over the social medias. I'm seeing pictures of Ricky Baez and women. You had women dra- draped all over you from your left to right. You had your arms over ladies, the beautiful ladies, very fantastic ladies, the best ladies. And 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 there were guys, guys all around you. They loved you. They they were they were doting upon you. Um is this your day job? What was this? What's going on with this whole thing? What was it? Was that Disrupt this HR? Was Disrupt HR Shut Orlando. up. You guys did it um, again? Dude, it was awesome. Get out Let of me here. Tell really? You. Really? Really? So, okay, so yes. hang on. Before you tell me, I know that you've got something you got to get pulled up and get ready, but I, I got to tell this story before you play it, okay? So I'm I'm browsing the internet, and I'm seeing all this Disrupt HR stuff because there was some people talking about how like Disrupt HR isn't what it used to be anymore, or like they're not doing it, or certain cities are this or that, and blah, 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 blah. And we all love Disrupt HR. It was like a very good thing, right? 
So then here's Ricky. Here's Ricky out of the blue and Summer Sherrod. And then we also had Leslie, right? We got a whole thing going on. Talk to me here. What is this? So let me tell you what happened. About five years ago, Leslie came to me with the idea of starting a Disrupt HR Orlando Hang on a second, though. That's Leslie of Miserac Coaching, right? That's correct. Leslie Miserac from Miserac Coaching. And uh, she came to me with that. I'm like, absolutely, I'm in. It took me. 10 seconds to say yes, because I loved the idea. For those of you who don't know, Disrupt HR is an HR networking event where people get up on stage and they do a five-minute presentation from 20 slides that as soon as they start talking, one slide transitions to the next automatically every 15 seconds. The the uh, speaker does not have control over the presentation once he or she starts speaking. Anyway, so Leslie and I uh, did it for Orlando uh, once to twice a year for years and years, actually for five years. And um, earlier this year, Leslie said, Ricky, I'm going to hang up my Disrupt HR mic. Let's go ahead and pass this on to somebody else. And um, Summer Sherrod, the very own Summer Sherrod, is taking the reins for Disrupt HR Orlando. And I have agreed to partner with her to help her in that process. So that said... Earlier, actually two months ago, we had one, an Orlando one, over in the land, which makes no sense, but we, we already had everything set up for the land. And we said late in October, we're going to do one in downtown Orlando. So this past Monday, we had Disrupt HR 9 here in downtown Orlando at a place called Hamburger Mary's. And it was this past Monday night. It was outstanding. JC, I've got a little clip, uh, that uh, a commercial that we made about it. Want to hear it? All right, here we go. Here we go. Disrupt HR. Disrupt HR. Disrupt HR. Who here's in HR? Almost everybody. This last year in the HR world and, and the things we're con- up against right now, right? The big exit, now we're in a war for talent. What you see behind you is a bunch of HR professionals, business professionals, CFOs, people from all walks of life who are passionate about making a difference in their businesses. Thankfully, it didn't say no to to a show. It's a show that tells you about all the things that HR could do differently to better itself. It's less seen high, if you will. It's more relaxed. It's more flexible. Here's what makes this different. does not have any control over the presentation. You can't have a good organization unless you got well-trained people. I'm just saying. We have a Karen, a maskless woman coughing towards people of course everyone has a phone it goes viral it's captured another example of someone getting terminated for off-duty social media postings the topics that people bring to disrupt hr are the topics that people are thinking about and don't want to say out loud because they'll be judged or they'll be told that that's silly or that that's not a good thing to be thinking you can bring those ideas here and say them out loud and it's going to just bring momentum and bring energy into the room and that's what we're looking for so when we talk about hr we are talking about human here. We are talking about human emotions here. We are talking about their stress. We are talking about their mental wealth too. So it was so relevant. And so as I'm sitting here listening to all these things, you know, I've been an employee, I am an employee. So I'm listening to it and I'm like, yeah, as an employee, I do lead some other employees. So I'm learning things already on how to be a better leader. Dude. Let me tell you, bro, that was such an energizing event. I've been doing this for a while. 
But that event right there over at Hamburger Mary's, the place was packed. It was a nice, intimate stage. And, man, I've never had so many people reach out to me privately because it's their, you know, it's they don't want to say this out there in the open with their employer out there. Reach out to me privately. A lot of people saying how energizing that was to see other organizations on stage talking about how to treat employees, how to make sure employees are feeling valued. And it's that to me. I mean, it it kind of hurt because I, it hurt me for them. I felt for them um, because uh, they have to be so quiet and uh, and under the covers with it. But, man, let me tell you, I feel so good to know that it energized people. And now that sparked the fire they needed to go ahead and take actions into their own hands about their career. And that to me was everything. It was it was a great time, bro. It really was. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Disrupt HR Orlando. Uh, Google that on the internet or stop by that Ricky Bias website or something. You can figure it Biasco.com, out. damn it. There it is. Biasco.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. Have a good night. I'm going to get Silly String and do a video and send it to California.